You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown Brewers, your daily Brewers podcast, all new Lockdown Brewers. I'm your host, Ben Larson. Super excited to be with you here today as we take you through the Brewers season now, every day on Lockdown Brewers. And uh, we'll get started. It was a pretty good win last night for the Brewers on Memorial Day. They come from behind. You know, it's really nice. You get those extra boosts sometimes through an, a season. and a game, you get down 4 nothing. I thought that Really what was great about the game on a couple fronts was the way the Brewers responded after getting down 4 nothing. So, you know, you have a rough outing, or rough inning really, not entire outing, but a, a rough inning by Gio Gonzalez. He gives up the four runs. It looks like the Twins are never going to stop hitting because they all score uh, after two are out, and they're just smoking the ball all over the ballpark. You know, Ben Gamble comes up with a big, big diving catch to end the inning on another line drive, or was it a bloop shot? They all seem to fall for the Twins. I can't even remember now. But he comes up with a diving catch to end the bottom of the second. It, it prevented a couple more runs from scoring. It would have been 6 nothing. Turned out to be huge. Brewers respond in the following inning in the top of the third by getting a couple of runs on sacrifice flies, manufacturing a couple of runs, something they have not been able to do as of late. It's been very frustrating. And they get back in the game. They trail it 4-3 to because they have a three-run third. And then there's no scoring until an Orlando RC, a two-run home run uh, later in the game, puts the Brewers up, and then Josh Hader closes it out. So I thought really, you know, the RC home run, obviously a big deal. He really smoked that ball. He had two uh, extra base hits last night. And then the home run gives the Brewers the lead, and, and Hader was uh, fantastic in closing the ball game out like he usually is when he doesn't give up a home run. He gave up a couple of base runners in that bottom of the ninth, but was able to close the game out, and the Brewers get the win. Two in a row now after they scuffled on Friday and Saturday to open that series against the Phillies and got taken. So I thought it was a, a big you know, win for the Brewers to get back on kind of a winning streak here. And, you know, you thought going into this twin series, if you could get a split, it'd be great. The Twins, among the best teams, very best teams in Major League Baseball so far, and they're just hammering the baseball. And it seemed like in that bottom of the second that that was going to be a long night. But credit the Brewers pitching staff, not only Gio Gonzalez after that rough outing, a rough inning, keep saying outing, it was only an inning, uh, you know, to, to – not give up a run after that. And then the Brewers' bullpen. Corbin Burns comes in, gets some big outs. Obviously, Hater to finish up. So a good night all around for the crew, and they will go for the mini two-game sweep over the Twins uh, tonight. And it's kind of gravy, this one, because you know they already got the one win. They go up to Minneapolis and at least earn a split. So we will uh, 
do this podcast, of course, every day, Lockdown Brewers, your daily podcast, your only Brewers daily podcast. And every day to recap a game, we will in part to recap a game and even a weekend when it's the first podcast of the week. We will do a, a segment called Three Up, Three Down. Three Up, Three Down. And so as we look at it for not only last night's game, but for the for the weekend uh, since Friday. And before I get into it with the three ups for the weekend, today's show brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Listen, don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. All right, three up for the Brewers. Brandon Woodruff from Sunday was absolutely spectacular. It's going to be something we're talking about for a while with Woodruff, especially if he continues to do what he is doing. Can he be... A rock-hard, solid ace. Not a Brewers ace. We, we've had those. You know, for a while, it was sort of Chase Anderson a couple of years ago recently, and it's it's rotated back and forth. I, I'm really trying to figure out when the last time the Brewers had a, a bona fide ace. Was it going all the way back to CC Sabathia for a half a season in, in 2008 or a little more than half a season? Uh, he was absolute ace material, right, for that half season. And, of course, he's been so a couple of times since then as well, but... Not with the Brewers. <laughs> with the Brewers, it was half a year in twenty or two thousand and eight, and he was fantastic. You may Ben Sheets at times, although not really. You know, he was he had ace stuff. He could lock it down. I remember attending his uh, eighteen strikeout game against the Atlanta Braves in in two thousand four. But man, how long has it been? And and could Woodruff be that guy? Now, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a long it's it's tough to say. You know, you have to do it for a season, season plus to be considered that, but. Look, he's got the fastball, he's got the velocity, he's got some other pitches. He throws, you know, essentially four pitches he can mix in. We'll talk about that certainly as the the show moves along. We'll actually have a a guest on uh, today in the second segment. We'll talk with Kyle Loebner from Shepard Express, and I'll ask him that question as well because he wrote about it after Woodruff's uh, great outing, but definitely an up for the Brewers. Also, Christian Yelich over the weekend, two more home runs, 21 leads the majors. The guy's unconscious at Miller Park. You know what? What more can you say about Christian Yelich? And the third up is Orlando Arcia again after last night's game. And every home run now Arcia hits, it's going to be well. You know, he only had three last year. He's doubled it now this year with six. And what? What does he project to? Maybe fifteen this year? I mean, we'll see how it plays out. But man, Orlando Arcia is so much better already. And really, it started right with the postseason run last year. He ended the year on what was it? A sixteen-game hitting streak after just being miserable at the plate through a lot of last year and so uh, definitely an up for Arcia and looking up as as the season has progressed you know I don't know that I can trust him you know in my mind in a clutch situation at the plate but man he came through last night uh, with a runner in scoring position he not only got him home he got himself home too with that booming home run to left center field it's three down on the flip side uh, how about Mike Easterbrook the umpire in the Philly series, Friday night he was atrocious, or was it Saturday? I'm sorry, it was Saturday night. He or Saturday afternoon, he was atrocious behind the plate at Miller Park, just obviously bad. It was kind of like last year. I think there was a game with Angel Hernandez in the same way. And then what else is new there? He's been a controversial umpire for a long time, but Easterbrook was terrible, and the Brewers let him know about it. A lot of ejections, a lot of terrible, you know, strike calls. Lorenzo Cain kind of holding his composure when. Many other people would have gone ballistic over some terrible calls behind home plate. And then on, in Sunday's game, the 9-1 win, he throws out 
Mike Moustakis. Now, you never know exactly what's said, and Moustakis had his version, and it was a clean version, uh, but it's hard to hard to see this guy not being a hothead in Easterbrook. And, I, you know, we, we have this conversation every year about some of these umpires. What does Major League Baseball do about it? Apparently nothing, so you just, I guess, have to live with it, but definite down for Easterbrook. How about uh, runners in scoring position before last night for the Brewers? It wasn't good. Uh, Brewers were o combined o for eleven uh, Friday and Saturday against the Phillies with runners in scoring position. Very very frustrating. They had lots of opportunities and couldn't get runs home. And finally last night they broke through a little bit, which was fortunate because it was much needed. Uh, much better last night. You know, just in getting some runs home. I think they were two of five overall, but of course some big hits came. And sacrifice flies. Those don't count as hits, but definitely got it done uh, and with two sack flies to manufacture a couple runs and get back in the game last night. So you kind of turn that one around a little bit. And then the final down, I would say, is Jeremy Jeffress because he almost got killed last night. Uh, scary moment, line drive, comebacker right at his head, somehow sticks his glove up. If you haven't seen the replay, you should see it able to field the ball and uh, and get the out, but laid on the ground for you know a few minutes afterward. I guess more in shock than anything else, Craig Council commented after the game. You know, the knee is probably, if anything, it looked the worst. It's probably his knee isn't reported anything like that. It, you know, we'll wait to see tomorrow, see how it feels and stuff with the adrenaline. But um, like I said, I think it was just one of those balls that just scares the daylights out of you. Yeah, and it did. I mean, it you know to see it live action, you you don't even have time to be scared as a fan because you see he caught the ball, didn't go off his head. But if he hadn't jerked his head out of the way, you know that thing is uh, probably a hospitalization. I mean, it was scalded, and he was able to field it with his uh, with his glove, obviously, and make the catch, kind of a reflex catch, and uh, got the Brewers out of trouble as well. That probably saved a run too because it was a, a ball ticketed for center field with a runner at second base. So. You know, Brewers uh, rebound, get the win last night. We're going to talk coming up here with Kyle Loebner, uh, like I mentioned before from Shepherd Express, about a couple of different topics. He had an article he wrote about the effect of the roof of Miller Park, and we talked about this a little bit last year. Certainly there was chatter about it where the Cubs had to play so many games in September, and they struggled, and the Brewers didn't and had a lot of days off in September, in part, in big part, because they had no previous rainouts to make up because of the roof at Miller Park, and what a gift that has been for the Brewers. Talk about that, comparing Keston here to some other prospects coming up in in a recent Brewers history, top 100 prospects, and also Brandon Woodruff, can he be the A? So that's on the way here. We'll talk with Kyle Lobner from Shepherd Express coming up on this initial edition, the debut edition of Locked On Brewers. Before we get to that, let's talk about Blue Chew. You can check out Blue Chew, bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. It's like Viagra. It's like Cialis, except it's probably a little bit simpler and easier to get. Now, you do have to get an online prescription, but it comes straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. And what is the deal with it? Well, it's, again, a lot like those performance pills. Uh, there might have been a time when you were ready to go every day, every night, maybe not so much anymore. Well, Blue Chew can increase your confidence and give you that extra performance that you're looking for in bed. If you can get a special deal, visit BlueChew.com, get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 in shipping. That's it. Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code MLB to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. 
Also, remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Lockdown Brewers on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Brewers. And Kyle Loebner, our guest on Locked on Brewers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and here to talk uh, a little Brewers and a couple of interesting stories, uh, Kyle, that you wrote You know, going back here through the month of May, and, and you can find Kyle's work on shepherdexpress.com. Um, I thought, you know, the, I had thought about this a lot, and, and it was mentioned as well uh, during the run to the Brewers uh, National League Championship Series last year. The fact that they got a lot of rest in the month of September and the Cubs got almost none. And the fact that, you know, the Brewers, I think if I, you can, maybe you know this, Kyle, but by my memory, had one rain out in Pittsburgh last year that they had to make up as part of that horrific five-game series right before the All-Star break. Uh, but they got right. plenty of rest down the stretch in September, obviously an eight-game win streak to end the regular season, and, and uh, you know what happened as far as them uh, going all the way to the NLCS. So what did you find? Uh, how much of a role does Miller Park and the fact that they never rain out or snow out or have even bad experience weather-wise, of course, at Miller Park because of the roof, how much has that helped the Brewers not only last year but maybe this year as well yeah i mean when you start the schedule you can basically pencil in 81 games that are going to be played exactly when they're scheduled um barring something truly catastrophic at miller park and and that makes a a very big difference as the year goes along and it starts all the way the first week of the year um just about every team in baseball that first week of the season the day of their home opener plays a home game and then has a day off um as a rain date for that home opener and then two more well, the, the first series of the year, the Brewers didn't need that extra day off. They played four games that first series. And so they started, you know, a week into the season. They had already played one more game than everybody else. And at the time, it doesn't seem like a big deal. Um, but as you get through the season, and last year down the stretch was a perfect example of this, when you get a team that has a stretch of bad weather, as so many teams did in April and May last year, you get things like the Brewers being off every Thursday, basically, from mid-August through the end of the season and having others on top of that while the Cubs play 21 consecutive days or you know even more than that. And so, yeah, it definitely becomes a factor, I think. It was a big part of the reason the Brewers were able to catch the Cubs a year ago, um, and it could be a, a thing that comes into play again this season because the Brewers have had very good luck um, on the road with rainouts this year. And at home, obviously, at Miller Park, there's never going to be one. So this is a thing that I think it's an underrated element. I mean, you hear about it a lot in terms of Miller Park and the fan experience, that when you buy a ticket for a game at Miller Park, you know there's going to be a game. Um, but from a you know competitive balance that situation, it's also a, a pretty strong point in that um, the Brewers know they are going to get their games in. And they're not going to have to look for mutual off days or other opportunities to play a lot down the stretch. Yeah, it's uh, obviously another reason I see a lot of jokes on you know social media and also on on uh, talk radio. I guess they pop up not a lot, but they pop up uh, then and again about uh, think, being sure to thank uh, George Petak, right? The the guy who uh, turned the Senate right. vote to get Miller Park built and got recalled. Uh, maybe he's looking better and better as uh, time goes on. But uh, anyway, uh, I want to also just you wrote another story on Shepherd Express uh, earlier here this month, talking about 
really the recent history for Brewers prospects. And I thought it was interesting because you're talking about Keston here who's coming up. He's a top 100 prospect. And, you know, you look back at recent history with the Brewers, Ricky Weeks, Prince Fielder, Ryan Braun, Matt Gamel, Lewis Brinson. Those are the names that you cover in the article. And what's interesting about it is, you know, that's kind of a hit and miss list. Obviously, Fielder and Braun, huge hit. Weeks, I'd say a hit for sure. Uh, Gamble shortened by injury, and Lewis Brinson uh, traded to Miami for Christian Yelich. I would say a hit. Uh, <laughs> and the jury's out on Brinson, but, you know, these Keston here really looks good. He's got everybody excited. He's been great so far, really, when you think about the stats he's putting up. But it's not a guarantee when you're a top 100 prospect, is it? No, not at all. And I, I think, you know, that that was kind of the, the point of writing the, the piece was that um, yeah, when you get guys who come up to the big leagues and they're highly regarded as prospects, I do think over time the prospect industry has gotten better at identifying which guys are likely to be really great big leaguers and which guys are not. Um, but it is still, you know, at the point where guys turn that corner and go from double A to triple A, it's still really difficult to predict what that next, you know, few months or even those next few years are going to look like. Um, and in recent Brewers history, there is some examples kind of across the board. Um, Fielder and Braun were both guys that were pretty successful right away, although the Brewers um, probably slowed Fielder down a little bit just based on the way they used him his first year. Um, they really didn't play him a whole lot. They very rarely played him at first base. They used him as a pinch hitter a lot. Um, but these were guys that came in and were pretty immediately impactful. Um, for a guy like Ricky Weeks, um, you're talking about a guy who took a little longer to come around. Um, you know, and he had some ups and some downs early, settled into being kind of a, a solid player, but never really reached superstardom um, the, the way I think the Brewers were hoping. And then in the cases of Gamble and Brinson, um, Gamble is a guy who had scuffled a fair amount and been back and forth um, before injuries really derailed and finished off his career. And Lewis Brinson is a guy that, for as long as he had been a hyped prospect, um, just never was able to turn the corner. Has been a, a really good AAA hitter for a long time now, um, but has not been able to put forth the kind of numbers that allow him to stick in the big leagues. And so, you know, when you're talking about a guy, even a top prospect, you're still talking about a guy who's at the very least going to have a big league learning curve. And, you know, quite possibly... Um, may not be the, the player you expect him to be in the big league. So there is still a, a big roll of the dice there when you put all your chips in that basket. And, and finally, I wanted to, you know, speaking of prospects, not top 100 prospects, but definitely looking like prospects turning into something special. You know, look, it's hard not to get excited about Brandon Woodruff, right? Uh, he's, he's had a, a great right. month of May, and it looks like he has what it takes to be not only an ace, like in the terms of where you, you call a guy your best pitcher, but a real ace, like a number one pitcher who the Brewers... I mean, geez, I, when's the last time they had one of those? Uh, it's been a long time. Now we're a long way away from that, and I think you know what proves that you're an ace is you got to do it for probably even a season, two seasons plus is what I'm thinking. But looks like he does have the tools. Do you think it's going to happen for, for Brandon Woodruff? I think ace is probably a bit of a stretch, but I do think uh, the trajectory of his career has changed a fair amount this season. Um, and, and really going back to last October, um, and, you know, one of the, the bright or one of the fun things about my work with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers um, is that I'm in the press box a lot when scouts pass through. Um, and I've been watching people who are in the player evaluation industry have this debate about what Brandon Woodruff is um, for a, a couple of months now. And I'm still not sure exactly which side I fall on, but I have seen 
um, some really strong opinions on both sides of that. Um, I actually wrote for Shepherd Express this week about Woodruff's Sunday outing um, and where it ranks among some of the, the best performances by a Brewers pitcher in recent memory. Um, because it, it was really quite outstanding what he was able to do, allowing just the one hit over eight innings, um, striking out 10 without walking a batter. That's a, a performance that's pretty rare in recent franchise history. Um, but I think, you know, that this comes at a perfect time for the Brewers. It comes at a time when there were questions about whether this starting rotation was going to be able to carry the load, when there were questions about whether Brandon Woodruff was even going to be a guy who could stick in the rotation. Um, when you look at what he's done, um, 33 innings in the month of May, assuming he doesn't start again before the end of the month, an ERA of, I think, 1.36 over the month. He is the first Brewer pitcher to pitch at least that many innings with an ERA that low in a month since C.C. Sabathia in 2008. Um, so the, the stuff that he's done for a, a guy who a couple months ago was not a lock to be a contributor on this team at all, I think has really been pretty astonishing. Uh, and it does look like this is a, a mix of pitches um, and a, a combination of velocity and control that makes it a relatively sustainable thing. And so, yeah, I, I think there is some hope that um, the Brewers still have several years left with Brandon Woodruff before they have to, to think about what's next with him um, and that he could do something really great for this team over that time. Yeah, and, you know, a solid, uh, consistent, steady, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll definitely take that, if, if not an ace, but uh, certainly May has been exciting. Great to talk to you, Kyle. Uh, you can find Kyle Loebner's work on shepherdexpress.com, writes about the Brewers. You just heard him talk about uh, how he's he's uh, around the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers as well, which is, of course, the Brewers' uh, Midwest single-A affiliate. And so he knows these players pretty well uh, as they come up through the system. And, Kyle, I'll, I'll love to do it again soon. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Hey, take care. Well, that'll do it for today's podcast. Brewers and Twins again tonight in Minneapolis to wrap up the short two-game series. Crew goes for the sweep. Zach Davies tries to rebound from a rough start. His ERA all the way up to 2.43, and he'll take on Martin Perez, who's looking pretty good himself for the Twins, who isn't looking good for the Twins. His ERA also a pretty stout and under three for Minnesota. So that'll be the matchup tonight. We'll talk about it tomorrow on Lockdown Brewers. Looking forward to it. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya podcast app as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Brewers. And I'll get there. Also, it's a new show, so share it with some people if you like it. Retweet, share, do what you need to do. Get the word out about Lockdown Brewers, your only, only, only daily Brewers podcast is now here. So enjoy it. We'll go for the sweep uh, tonight here with the Brewers, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. Thanks again. I'm Ben Larson, your host for Lockdown Brewers. Brewers.